This is all the WrestleManias. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And we are your co-hosts. We hope you enjoyed our recent episode on Starcade 85. We've got another exciting one coming up on Capital Punishment from 2011, uh, the show that that we put out is much better than that particular pay-per-view. So I hope you enjoy listening to that one. We're super excited for today's episode. We've got our first ever guest appearance on All the WrestleManias. First one. So today, we are very excited. We want to welcome Dr. Jessica Krennic. Dr. Jess holds her PhD in theater, dance, and performance studies from the University of Maryland. She researches, writes, and presents extensively about non-male fans and wrestling fan culture. Her 2017 dissertation is entitled Sexuality, Gender, and the Performance of Wrestling Fan Culture. She's presented at the Popular Culture Association Conference, the Mid-Atlantic Theater Conference, and numerous other academic conferences, comic and wrestling cons, and much more. So it's a real pleasure to welcome Dr. Jess to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, our pleasure. We're th- we're thrilled. We feel like we hit the big time now. We've got <laughs> I know. Someone got... someone agreed to come talk to us. Like, yeah, and we I feel mean, important. It's very I mean, again, the big the best part of getting a PhD is every note you write is a doctor's note. So <laughs> you officially <laughs> have doctors. You can have anything you're like, oh, we know a doctor, a doctor's note for our show. Say your show is officially doctor approved. So All right. sweet. You're Put set. it on the uh Put it on the website, Rich. On it. Can you re-up my Zoloft? I'm running low. I, you know what? I bet I can. All I right. have confidence. I'm a, I have, you know, performance background. I can do it. All right. Good deal. So, um, so just a, a softball to start. Are you watching any exciting wrestling lately? Anything you're jazzed about? Yeah. Um, like a lot of people, I think I'm excited for um, All Out coming up for AEW. Yes. Um, I'm also. I mean, because I'm a person on the internet, um, I'm spoiled, but I am behind on um, the G1 Climax from this year. Um, of the, it did not end the way that I would have liked to see it end, but I do think that uh, the right person won in that particular matchup, if that's how it had to be. Um, and yeah, I also um, am looking forward to uh, one of my locals, Flying V, uh, Flying V Fights. They are doing uh, one of their first shows back in a while in October. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to, they are doing a two night show. It's going to be the first night is a black tie gala and the next night is uh, a wrestling show. So wow, holy very crap, ready that sounds that. amazing. Yeah. yeah, they're a fantastic, they're a theater company. Um, and a number of their um, actors are also wrestlers and wrestling fans. So they started a theater wing of the division. So I'm what? very excited. Yeah, they are fabulous. Where's that show going to be? Um, at the Black Box in downtown Silver Spring. Oh, nice. Nice. Yes. Uh, so the last time I went to the Renaissance Festival, there was actually a retelling of like Shakespearean plays through professional wrestling. And it was like the most spectacular thing I'd ever seen. Two of the guys from that are involved with Flying V. They wrestle there as the Grimy Scots. 
Um, but they are two of the guys from Renaissance Rumble yeah. are part of are part of Flying V, and they're always amazing. Very cool. The grimy Scott. So Drew McIntyre would be like the squeaky. Right. He is the Scott. cleanest the cleanest Scott. Yeah. I don't think they actually make Scots that clean usually. But um, if there yeah. is one, it would There's... be. It would have to be him, <laughs> like just logically. Uh, do you, are you watching much of the WWE product these days? Um, not very much these days. I am very intrigued to see the sort of what's next with Triple H taking over. Um, I was a big fan of NXT when it was, you know, the Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville. We've just posted the Indies. Um, so if we can get some of that energy back, that would be amazing. Um, I've heard there have been some some good matches, some cool decisions, and they're bringing back some folks that I really like. Um, so fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope there's more than one match an hour. That's yeah. really that's <laughs> really ideal. what I want in in it. Like I want I want that 1990s Monday Night Raw. Yes, I want I, that back. Yes, I have watching this. Like watching the the rumble, you know, not to not to jump, not to spoil it, everybody. But I suddenly got the vivid flashbacks of watching the raw where the one two three kids showed up, and I was like, oh my god, I remember that. I watched that live. Can we have that back? I would love that. Also, can yeah. raw only be an hour? That would be fine. Not three. I don't yeah, I, three. I I actually referenced that moment in the tribute to Scott Hall because oh that's fabulous. Uh, that was that was one of those moments of professional wrestling that is like completely seared into my brain. Absolutely, that, that moment of of one two three kid upsetting Ted DiBiase and then upsetting Razor Ramon. It's perfection. It's yeah, and like it caught everybody off guard. I think that that's probably like the last time that I was like genuinely really surprised by pro wrestling because it was like yes. they completely presented him as a jobber they just called him the kid whatever get yep. out there go out there and fight kid and it's like is that guy in my high school class or something like right I, and like, then I there I've he is this guy at the local like 7-eleven or whatever nope there he is right and there he is beating ted dibiase on national television yeah. mind blown so yeah it yeah. was yes like being a kid and watching that was just like i I don't know how he did that, but this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And when we were watching the Rumble, my husband was like, because I got him into wrestling much later in life. And he was like, why is that guy familiar? I'm like, that's X-Pac, bud. He's like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's right. I was like, yeah, there was a brief time. Time's yeah. changed. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned getting your husband into wrestling. That actually ties into something I want to ask you a little about once we once we get in here. But I will say that one of the best parts about doing this show and kind of going back through and watching these old wrestling shows is that kind of moment where you're like, like, oh, shit, I totally remember this. You know, and it's buried in there, right? And then you watch it and it, it brings up all that sort of, um, you never quite, you can't ever quite see it the same way as it was the first time. But it's like, you can sort of catch a, catch a little glimpse of it and like oh remember when i was young and everything wasn't terrible and then yeah. <laughs> you just you feel good for a second yep and i do think there's just something about a, a royal rumble especially to just conjure that up because like they were they were just my favorite as a kid and even when i came back to wrestling as an adult i was like oh none of the magic is gone from this because 
it's chaos. It's, it's just chaos, it's yeah. just chaos, and it's designed to have surprises and goofy things and little one-off moments. And like watching the ones, like watching one from the '90s, I was like, I don't even. I didn't know I remembered this guy, but suddenly I was like, oh, there's a whole arc in my mind that's happening mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. So we invited Dr. Jess on the show to to talk about her work, of course, but in the true spirit of all the WrestleManias, we also asked her to watch and review a wrestling pay-per-view, and she actually chose the 1996 Royal Rumble from Fresno, California. It happened in Fresno, um, and so we're excited to talk about that in just a few moments. But first, I thought we'd just do a, you know, as I said, a little bit of discussion about um, your work and how you kind of got to uh, the things that you study and write about. Um, so do you, would you like to just start by giving the listeners a little kind of capsule description of your research interests and the kind of things that you like to talk about? Absolutely. Love to. So, um, I was, uh, as you mentioned, I have my PhD from the University of Maryland College Park, uh, their theater, dance, and performance studies department. Um, and I was actually studying a completely different topic for a brief time. Um, I was studying Civil War theater. So if you have your polls, Civil War wow. theater to professional <laughs> wrestling. Um, and I got back into pro wrestling um, in... 2012, um, because I needed, as anyone who has been in grad school knows, I needed something. I was like, I can't, I gotta have something that's separate. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, my friend Adam, who had recently joined the PhD program, was a wrestling fan. And so we actually watched the Rumble in 2012. It was really the first professional wrestling my husband had ever watched. He had some memories. Uh, one of his best friends growing up was really into WCW. So he's like, I I remember, like, he's like, I remember the NWO. Like, I remember some stuff, but he didn't have um, a huge point of reference. And so as I started watching it, through a series of, at the time, unfortunate, but now very fortunate events, my advisor left the university. And I realized that I had really no energy around my project without her there. And Adam said, have you ever thought that you could study professional wrestling since it obviously is the thing that lights you up? And I said, no, wait, maybe. (laughs) And we were sort of off from there. Um, And I realized that what I really wanted to do was there's a lot of really great research on professional wrestling as a performance art. So there's a lot of great books out there. There is a pretty recent dissertation by Eero Lane about pro wrestling and Marxism and capitalism. So there've been a lot of really cool pieces of writing about wrestling Um, But not a lot of recent studies of wrestling fan culture. A lot of them were focused on the Attitude Era, um, at least the pieces I could find, and mostly male fans. And so I decided that originally I actually um, specified female fans of professional wrestling. I broadened that a little bit when some of the interview subjects that I met were non-binary and genderqueer folks. Um, And I said, okay, you know what, we don't need to we don't need to limit it to two female fans. I just want to talk to fans. Um, and through my research, I went to a lot of shows, a lot of kind of fan gatherings, and also conducted interviews with a lot of wrestling fans about what are your memories? What are your experiences? Um, almost everyone, uh, a lot of the women I talked to were like, my grandma. 
my grandma loved professional wrestling. My grandma loved to watch that guy get beat up. Um, One of my friends is like, my grandma loved Eddie Guerrero. I was like, yeah, we all loved Eddie Guerrero. You're correct. (laughs) But yeah, I don't blame her. Her her grandmother was Mexican and she's like, yeah, I love, I love Eddie. Um, But through the project, I ended up just connecting with so many people um, who wanted to talk, who wanted to talk about their experiences um, and who just had such wonderful stories of the friendships that they made through pro wrestling um, and the way that obviously, you know, both of you know, uh, wrestling Twitter can be the worst place in the world. Oh, yeah. Second only to wrestling Reddit. Um, just <laughs> wow. Um, I had a couple of friends who were like, I actually don't post there anymore because, uh, well, I'm a woman. And I was like, that's, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, um, yeah. But through doing it, people said, you know, I understand that all of that is out there, but I've also made the most amazing community. Um, and so that ended up being a lot of the focus of what I wrote about, um, as well as, um, I interviewed some people who, one of my friends, uh, Kate, um, and I will always drop her, she's Make It Loud on Twitter. She was hired by Rolling Stone to do some graphics for them because she was doing the Raw Breakdown project. She was te- she was tracking how much time the women were getting. Um, and so she started, she's a graphic designer. She started visualizing it and Rolling Stone hired her to do some one-offs, you know, to freelance for them a little bit. Um, my friend Courtney Rose is a, um, a hobby makeup artist. Um, she did Chris Hero's makeup when he was broken Chris Hero against Matt Hardy back in the day. Um, she got to do some different wrestlers makeup for different shows. And so, um, also got really interested in how fans, what fans create, fans create all kinds of things. Um, we've seen fans, you know create art and theme music and stories and all different things. And so getting to do that research has been really validating. Um, and I work at a, you know, at the university now and college kids are pretty impressed when they hear you can write a dissertation on professional wrestling. <laughs> they're confused, Hell, I'm impressed. but yeah. they get, they get in this, they're like, Oh, Oh, you mean research can be it's corny, but they're like, research can be something you really love. I'm like, yeah if you are really lucky and you have patience, but yes, it really can. So yeah, that was my, my journey from civil war theater to professional wrestling. So uh, John Wilkes Booth, ultimate heel turn. Exactly. John Wilkes Booth, ultimate heel turn that jump on the stage. It's, you know, we've seen, we've seen uh, dives at wrestling shows before. It's not that different. I mean, he botched it when he broke his ankle. He did. (laughs) He did. But we've unfortunately seen that too. It's it's happened to the best and worst of us. Who are your favorite wrestlers and what what draws you to them? So my favorite current wrestler, um, I tend to like a lot of um, cruiserweights and high flyers. Mm -hmm. Um, So Pac is my absolute favorite wrestler right now. I got into him when he was in NXT. Um, and have followed him since. I was really excited to see him turn back up on a show I could access. Um, when he was wrestling in Japan, it was difficult uh, for me to see a lot of those. Um, I also really love um, 
Hiromu Takahashi in New Japan because you absolutely never know what he's going to do. Uh, El Desperado for the same reason. Um, I like wrestlers who tell stories. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you have kind of an over-the-top character, um, I'm really going to enjoy it. So Dalton Castle, um, (laughs) someone like Eddie Kingston, um, if you can really talk, if you can really go... I also am a sucker for Supernatural. So, you know, Death Triangle, House of Black, anything like that. The Undertaker was my favorite as a kid. So we don't have to think about The Undertaker as a person. I can think about The Undertaker as a wrestler. Yes. He was, the Undertaker as a wrestler was one of a kind. Yeah, yeah. we definitely try to just keep, keep a very yeah. focused mm-hmm. on him in the ring. And then yep. with Paul Bearer, that's, yep. that's all we want to see. That that's all we want to know wonderful. about. I was <laughs> um, watching the rumble really did remind me because obviously the undertaker I have seen in recent years was slower, was, you know, an older person being normal. Um, but seeing like younger early career undertaker was, I was like, that's right. This is what I fell in love with. Um, I was at, um, WrestleMania for uh, Taker versus Punk, which was one of the coolest matches I've ever seen live. Because I can't imagine Paul Bearer was anything but thrilled that he was like, yes, you will be using my death to tell a story. That's what we have to do. You are obligated to do so. Um, And he was correct. Yeah, there's no doubt that Percy Pringle or whatever you want to call him these days is that's exactly what he wants you to do. Yes. Like, he didn't die for nothing. You nope. <laughs> use me, use my story, get me involved. Um, yeah. When we get to uh, twenty nine, we should have you back because uh, one of the little mini series we've been doing is uh, we were there, where we try to talk about events that we actually saw in person. So Rich was at King of the Ring ninety four. Oh, that's um, so cool. Which is much cooler than mine, which was Capital Punishment from twenty eleven, <laughs> which was for shit. But, I hated um, you for going to that man. That I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I was at that mania and I was at um, the rumble that Batista won that set up Daniel Bryan um, and the Miracle on Bourbon Street. But wow, boy, oh boy, being at that, that was my that was my first ever live rumble. I was so excited. And then I was like, someone's going to die here. (laughs) No one is no one is making out of here alive. This is the crowd has turned. You've had some good them. You've had some really good uh, shows to go to then. Yeah, I've been super, super lucky to see some pretty amazing things. Um, And I I was going to say the only other one that I saw locally was I saw um, when Bailey, when uh, Sasha brought Bailey up to the main roster for her Ah. tag partner. And everyone in the arena just lost their minds. It was in D.C. (laughs) Um, I no longer remember the names of the non-Big Four pay-per-views. That's, I'll be looking that up later. They're yeah. all pretty interchangeable. I don't. I don't know that anybody remember except you know, like Hell in a Cell is easy to yeah, remember. Right? It's a good. I was saying Hell in a Cell is a memorable name. Yeah, all the rest know. of them should just be called not WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> tables, ladders, and chairs. I'm like okay, except lots of shows have those now, so I don't remember. Yeah, which table, ladder, or chair? Uh, On this month's not WrestleMania premium live event. Yes, we have. Yeah, we have the following. It what? will be two nights and you will learn to love it. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to. We keep talking about how by the time they get to WrestleMania 50, WrestleMania is just going to last like the entire year. Yep. It's just going to be like 
on all the time. Yep. They'll um, have Royal Rumble and then they'll be like, and now it's WrestleMania for the rest of the year. So let's, um, I thought we could talk a little bit about gender and wrestling, since I know that that's sort of where you kind of started, you know, as you said, as you were trying to um, kind of develop your research interests and stuff. And, you know, you mentioned getting your husband into wrestling, which I think is really cool. I've sort of done the same with uh, with my wife to an extent. And it's, you know, it kind of starts by uh, just sort of proximity, right? Like it's on and she's in the room doing something else. And then she like catches something or, you know, something catches her eye or, you know, she starts asking me questions and, and now she's like using all of the right terminology. She's like, Oh, I, I really got potatoed. And, uh, we were watching raw this week and she's like, Oh, I think Ms. Got busted open the hard way. I'm like, I married the right woman. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but that's from my own uh, anecdotal experience. I've seen that a lot of, a lot, you know, like sort of non, non-male wrestling fans kind of come to their fandom by accident or association with, with another family member, with a spouse, or did, did uh, the folks that you talked to when you did your oral histories, did you hear much of that? I know you mentioned grandmothers specifically, but. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of stories of like siblings um, or friends. I feel like, um, especially being in like being in school in the 90s I feel like everyone was watching wrestling Mm. I was you know when I was in school was kind of like immediately pre-attitude era when I feel like you know everyone was sort of growing up watching it um and then it depended on uh, either how cool your parents were or how many friends you had that were still allowed to watch wrestling and you would just go to their house uh, because my mom walked in on a raw during the attitude era and was like, this is over. We're not doing this anymore. I switched to WCW for a time. Cause I was like, this is fine. It's different. Rey Mysterio. But, um, a lot of people, yes, it was, um, sort of that proxy fandom. They started watching with someone else. Um, I did have a lot of friends, um, who in some ways flipped that stories on story on their head where they got partners of theirs into pro wrestling, um, but did find that usually when they went to shows, um, people would would talk to the the guy that they were with and be like, oh, you dragged your girlfriend here. And she'd be like, I, he doesn't really want to be here. I dragged him here. And I feel I like I see more and more women at shows now when I go. Um, obviously, sometimes it's families, especially when I go to WWE shows. It's a lot of moms with their kids because uh, kids are having a great time. But I do see more women um, and it is always funny to me when I see the women like really decked out and they have the shirts and the belt and sometimes their partners have the same stuff and other times they're clearly like, what am I doing here? This is fun. We're going to watch something. Um, So it was interesting because I think that I default assumed that it would be most people had my experience where you had a dad or a brother that watched it. And I would say that was a solid 60 70 percent but the other percent was people who said no i was into it and i got um men in my life interested in it um because it was something i was really into um and i think that once you see wrestling live it's not a tough sell i think experiencing it live you're like this is absolutely a huge this is just a big theater production this is amazing um i'm desperately trying to get my wife to come to a live show so she has started listening to our podcast and I told her she did not have to listen. She is under no obligation to listen to it. And she started asking me questions about, about like vocabulary and what different things mean, but I I still can't get her to go. And honestly, she gets a bit squeamish with some violence. Yeah. And if we sit there and watch AEW today, 
every other match has got blood you got cursing and stuff mm-hmm. and it's not like she's like like fragile or anything like that i don't want you to, you know no. it's just that's that's not going to draw her in no and but like if we went to a wwe show she's going to be bored because we're going to be standing in an arena watching everything happen on the jumbotron and then one match and then another hour of jumbotron watching so it's 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 this weird like i want something in the middle that i might be able to get her to come to take her to um, take her to flying v She's a theater. Yeah, person. I might. I might. If she likes I might theater, try to. Um, because she loves yeah, theater. So. You can very much tell with Flying V that it is all the storylines are crafted by people who are familiar with kind of the arc and the beats of theater, um, which yeah. makes me really happy. Um, but no, I think that's such a that's so real because I think you you have to find your in um, and actually. My husband, when he really started getting into wrestling, was through Chikara. Um, he likes comic books. Um, he likes superheroes. And so the arc of storytelling that Chikara kind of in its at its peak was doing was really appealing to him um, and the talent in there as well. Um, and I think that one of the best, it's hard to be, it's really good to be a fan of wrestling right now because there's so many options out there, but they're so scattered that you know you're like do i really want to pay how many streaming services can i pay for i can't keep doing this i have to watch something that is available to me right it's all out there but it's not all accessible um which is the challenge there's probably something for everyone but you might not be able to get to it and so it's interesting that you've mentioned how people the gateways into wrestling my mother was actually my gateway into professional wrestling She's the one that like called down to me on like one Monday night and was like, put on USA, there's wrestling on. And I turn it on and there's Yokozuna versus Coco Beware. So like she found the first Monday night raw. And from there, right. And so, and every Saturday was watching superstars and watching the TBS in the evening. Like I watched it so young that I didn't know that there was a difference between like WCW slash Jim Crockett promotions and WWF. I didn't understand why Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan weren't wrestling each other, but I also didn't care. And so my mother always talked about loving uh, gorgeous George and the iron Sheik and, and Ric Flair. Those were like some of her favorites, but she watched into the attitude era and she kind of faded off then, but it was interesting that she would never go to a live show with me. It was always my dad who took me, but he wasn't as into wrestling as I was, or my mom was. And I don't know if it was like my mom didn't feel that it was her place to go. Did, did you encounter anything like that to where like women feel more comfortable to watch on TV and be avid fans that way, but uncomfortable to actually be at a live show? 100%. So it's actually funny because my dad used to rent the tapes for my brothers and I, um, when we were kids, we would go to, you know, A to Z video and we would, you know, if we'd been good that week, we would get to rent whatever pay-per-view we wanted to watch. They only had so many. So we saw a lot of the same ones. Um, and eventually my mom took my brothers to a show, but she would never take me. It's fine. 
I don't, I would, it was not fine when I was a kid. I was mad um, because all I wanted as a kid was for Bret Hart to give me his glasses. I wanted that with my soul <laughs> more than want I wanted. Now. Any, yeah. Even yeah, now, if he did that, I'd be the happiest person alive. I would cry um, real tears yep. for like three weeks straight. If that I would need now. to, I would need to leave. I like, I, I don't want to see this match. Like I we're have done. these glasses. Yeah. We're done here. Yeah. Yep, yep. This is all. I'm going to go home and cover myself up with the sand like Spongebob. Yep. I'm just going to cover my head in a bubble. I never want to take these off. Um, Is this where I mentioned that I've been licked by a bushwhacker? Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's where you mentioned that. (laughs) That is what happens. That's as close as as I've gotten. That is a claim uh, to fame. Yeah. Luke got a mouthful of baby powder because I was uh, cosplaying Paul Bearer that night. That's amazing. So That is amazing. Um, but so there to briefly to jump way back in time, way, way back before any of us, there's a really amazing book called The Revenge of Hatpin Mary, um, which is about female pro wrestling fans in the 50s um, and how at the time it was you would, you know, when you would see wrestling shows or, you know, boxing, but especially pro wrestling on camera, there would be these groups of women in the front rows mm. who all were like it was a very social thing. They were going they were building this community. And then I do feel like the pendulum really swung where I knew a lot of women who said, yeah, my mom would never go to, like, she would never go to a show. She would feel uncomfortable. And unfortunately, I do know even today, which you see it in all kinds of fandoms, wrestling is absolutely not unique. Um, But I have had a lot of women um, that I've talked to talk about being really gatekept. Um, That um, one of my friends that I interviewed was we went to see um, a Ring of Honor New Japan show out in um, Coney Island. It was outdoors at the baseball stadium. And a guy sitting in front of her turned and said, pointed at the ring and said, which one of them are you sleeping with? And she kind of, and he goes, because a girl like you wouldn't be here if you weren't. And she she was just there because she was really excited. She'd been watching pro wrestling since she was a kid. Her dad has got her dad and mom have always watched wrestling. Um, but the guy in front of her could not fathom that she could just be there to watch a show. She's beautiful. She, yes, I know a lot of beautiful women who go to professional wrestling shows. Um, but so many of them have had a bad taste in their mouth from the same kind of, Oh, you know, name five of his matches. Who's this? Um, one of my friends that I interviewed, uh, their favorite story is that they were wearing a Shinsuke shirt, Shinsuke Nakamura. It was a New Japan show. And a guy came up to them and said, you know, he's not even the best member of uh, Chaos. And my friend was like, this is an interesting way to say hello. I've never met you. <laughs> um, and then he went on a long rant about how actually uh, Goto was the best. Um, at the time, he was not in chaos. My friend did not get a chance to say, that's not, you're not, I don't know what you're, oh, it, it was a wild time. Um, and so I do think that as with a lot of things, I've been really lucky. I have met really, really welcoming fans of all genders at a lot of the shows I've been to. Um, and I've taken people to their first wrestling shows and they have been really lucky. Um, because we always end up sitting around enthusiastic and welcoming people. 
Um, but that is not a universal experience. And I think that a lot of women um, have been made to feel like wrestling is not for them, uh, which is a shame because when I have introduced a lot of women to it, once they find the thing that clicks for them, they're like, this is amazing. I want to see more. How do I see more? Um, again, I don't think it's unique. Um, I don't think, you know, I think a lot of fandom culture is like that. A lot of gatekeeping, but it's one of the reasons that my research ended up being about finding community online because they were able to find like-minded fans who they could talk to and who made them feel welcome. Um, and who kind of started mini fan gatherings that way to say, we're going to make everybody feel welcome and make people feel like they belong at these shows. So does the sexism that like appears in professional wrestling, as in like how female wrestlers are presented uh, from like either from just like the WWE recently had all their women color coded by hair uh, to um, the attitude era and how women were treated all the way to actually the very opening of this yep. 96 Royal Rumble Forgot that we about watched. that until it started. Uh, yeah. Uh, so how does, how do like non-male wrestling fans interact with that? How do they like justify it? And does that also play into the gatekeeping that they feel that as if like, well, this is the product, the product that's being shown to me sees me more as an object and a prize than a competitor and a part of the story. How, why do I feel welcome to watch this? Yeah, very much so. And I think also, um, I'm not, I would not presume to speak for all Japanese wrestling cause I don't watch enough of it, but a lot of Japanese wrestling promotions really cater to women in very specific ways. They have, uh, women's fan sections. They sell merchandise that is very much like we are selling this for, like they have such cool stuff that I'm like, if you, if WWE manufactured this, you would make millions. Do you know how many women want to buy cool teddy bears of their favorite <laughs> professional wrestlers? I have a Shinsuke teddy bear. It was expensive. It was worth it. Um, I don't, if I ever calculated what I've spent on professional wrestling, I would be sad. Um, that's my avocado toast. That's why, you know, I'm like, oh, all my money. I'm a millennial who spent all my money on pro wrestling. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. It's, no, it's fine. Don't go down whatever, that road. Yeah, whatever cost is is good for you. It got me right? a PhD. It's great. Um, but I do think that one of the things um, that I brought a friend to her first show um, and there was a, there was, a, there were two or three women's matches, which sometimes that's great. Wow. Yeah. I was surprised too. But what she didn't understand um, genuinely is she looked at me and said, why, why don't the men that are sitting near us want to watch the women fight each other? I was like, I don't know. She's like, why are they yelling what they're yelling? I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, I'm uncomfortable too. Um, and so I think that it ends up being this cycle where wrestling promotions present a product that says women are prizes and all of their storylines uh, center around like, oh, women are all jealous of each other. Um, I always used to cringe when I knew Jerry Lawler was getting on commentary because I was like oh mm. what are we gonna say about those crazy women now and how they all fight and it's always a cat fight um and I actually think WWE there are some ways where they've made unbelievable strides in their women's division where they have these like multiple women's storylines yeah. going on at the same time but I also understand that people have been burned before and that it's like mm, 
how long are you going to let this let this happen like before they're having a bra and panty match or before they're backstage fighting over someone's boyfriend or um you know some other that women are inherently jealous of each other and i think that you know women i think a lot of people actually not just women i think a lot of people want to see good women's wrestling um, I also am, I'm a big fan of intergender wrestling. Um, I'm very in favor of mm. breaking down, um, binaries in wrestling. I think especially with an increase in non-binary, um, and trans wrestlers, I'm all for intergender wrestling. Um, but I do understand why, uh, you know, some of the major companies can't, they can't do it for contract reasons. Yeah. I feel like what I've always been told is that with WWE, it was Mattel like part of their Mattel toy contract was don't do intergender. Um, I don't know how much of that is apocryphal, um, but I always get excited um, because people, when I end up on panels talking about intergender wrestling, inevitably someone stands up and says, so you're telling me you think Sasha Banks could beat the big show. And I'm like, I don't know why that's the first match you thought <laughs> i you also that, were that's, telling me that's not my first idea. For no, that. and I'm I mean, like, um, I believe that Rey Mysterio has beat the Big Show, and he's not that much bigger than Sasha Banks. So you shorter. could, yeah, he's he's we, but <laughs> people always jump immediately to the most like you're telling me that you think like this huge guy should be able to beat up this tiny girl for an hour, and I'm like, whoa, no, um. That's weird that that's why, what you think would happen. Why don't they uh why don't they flip it? You're telling me that that uh Nyla Rose and and Hornswoggle could have a good match. Why don't they why yeah. doesn't the example yeah. ever go the other way? Yeah, no one ever swings it the other yeah. way. And then they see intergender and the other thing about it is they're like intergender wrestling perpetuates domestic violence. Hmm. And I'm like here are two things. One, consent professional wrestling is about consent Two, when you say that you are saying that uh, the only domestic violence there is, is intergender domestic violence. None of uh, nothing else that happens in professional wrestling perpetuates that it's just right. intergender. Okay. I don't understand your logic, but I guess I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I, Lucha underground uh, was big on yes. intergender yeah. and that was, that was yeah. one of the best parts about that show. And I think in one of your papers, you actually specifically mentioned was it evil East and Mil Muertes maybe. Yes. Um, yes. And that dude was freaking huge. He was, and yeah, he was terrifying. He was massive. Yeah. And she was, she was really good. I liked her a lot. Yeah. I so, really liked watching her. Um, I've definitely, we missed that show. We kind of yeah. lament. Oh my God. Yeah. I want, that yeah. I, there was a brief time when Lucha underground was like accessible to rewatch and I, yeah. and I miss it so much because it's gone again yeah yeah again like it, my favorite things in wrestling are like spooky scary skeletons and storytelling <laughs> uh so lucha underground was pretty uh, much like jess why don't you sit down and watch exactly what you want um i could watch that vampiro versus uh pentagon <sighs> jr match penta is every day so all day yep. yep and like i'm not even really into the hardcore stuff but there's something about that match. It's like the story, mm -hmm. like you don't know who Penta is is following and worshiping. And and then it turns out to be Vampiro, the owner of the company, is running like a dark cult underground. Yeah. Like, 
oh my god that's amazing yep. and then he sets him on fire <laughs> and like the arm breaking finisher yep. like that it's all crazy it's, it's unbelievable like some of the stuff that they were able to to pull off and i think that there's so many wrestlers where like they make their debuts elsewhere and i'm like i need you to go back and i need you to watch them on lucha underground before you tell me that you don't understand what's appealing about them. I'm like, trust me, when they're allowed that to guy be and Helico. Yeah, and Helico, um yeah. Swerve Strickland. Uh, yeah. Um yeah. I forget what his name was on Lucha Underground, but he was very good. And he also had another like I'm also not a huge hardcore fan, but the way Lucha Underground did it for storylines, I was like, Yeah, this is fine. Thunder That's, Rosa was there. Yep. She she was like a snake lady or something. Yes, she was a cool and, snake lady. Uh, Io Shirai was there, I think. Brian Cage, time. of course. Yes. Um, Prince Prince Puma. Oh, um, Prince Puma. Poor Ricochet. I feel really. I feel so bad. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but like that guy, talk about getting screwed by the WWE system. Like they took yeah. every single thing that made him amazing as Prince Puma and just scraped it all off and like. Hey, yep. here's a generic guy now, and he gets beat up all the time. I'm like, no. Uh, it I makes don't me so that. sad. He was yeah. so damn good. I get, yeah, I could watch that shit all day. Yeah. Um, just not to get off on a tangent here, but like your your thoughts, your uh, comments about kind of supernatural and stuff. Have you or your husband read uh, Do a Powerbomb yet? It's a new comic series. No, but now I clearly um, need to. I think we're only up to the second issue. The the uh, setup is this uh, woman. Um, faces her her big nemesis in the ring as this huge guy uh, and he ends up paralyzing her and killing her actually not you know spoiler alert um but her daughter gets approached by this like um kind of uh you know Shao Kahn Mortal Kombat type thing he's like he's like what if you could bring your mother back and he's going to have a huge wrestling tournament in the underworld to uh, fight for her mother's soul. So I'm, I'm oh all my God. in. That sounds amazing. Yep. And the art is like gritty and dark and like way over the top. You, I, you would love it. Yeah. That sounds perfect. Sorry. I mean, to get off on a, on a tangent. Um, I, yeah, we could, I mean, we could talk about this forever. Um, maybe one more thought about the sort of the gender stuff and your, your comments about uh, the Japanese promotions and kind of that, targeted marketing um i'm just i'm just curious about your thoughts on aew heels i read a really funny piece from um harmony cox on the daily yes. DDT, and she cites some harmony. of your work uh and yes she said, yes because harmony and i were back and forth about yeah. yeah yeah and the the quote that i pulled out is um says there are plenty of women who find hyper feminized marketing insulting especially when it is tied to paying extra for something just because you identify as female aew heels feels like the wrestling version of big pens for her <laughs> yep great yep I w it was one of those things that i was like what a lovely idea and awful execution like how because i think fundamentally um a lot of times when promotions try to launch this like we have discovered that there are women who like our product and surely you would like to pay fifty dollars you know and i think it was you know people like oh it's only 50 a year i'm like to do for what i can yeah. talk to people on twitter for free um, right. It's not like the WWF fan club that would send you like a little camera yeah. and a tote bag and like it would give you the subscription to WWF magazine. It's just $50 because you're a woman and you like wrestling. Yeah. And I think that like there are so many people I know who in who arrange like 
meetups at wrestling shows or before or after and, you know, being in the DMV area, like I've, when there are shows in DC, I usually end up in pre-COVID times. It's like, oh yeah, there's so many bars here. We'll just do a, a meetup at this, you know, bar or at in Chicago, I've done meetups at barcades. There are a lot of ways that to make community that don't cost anything. Um, and I think that it's one thing to offer women options to say, here are seats that are priced the same as other seats, but you'll be surrounded by fans of your gender. It's another to be like, would you like to pay a premium to have a gender? And I'm like, I wouldn't. That's <laughs> hard. I'd pass. prefer not yeah. to. Uh, yeah. I do that every day. I would really rather not do it in my entertainment because... It's the same. And I, I think sometimes um, there are people who mean really well and they create things and they're um, someone um, created a publication at one point and they were like, this is the first time anyone has written about wrestling as an art form. And the number of people, even just on Twitter, who were like, oh, buddy, no, <laughs> you tried it's it. not like I can list decades of people writing about wrestling is an art form and not just academics, plenty of people writing in really accessible ways. Um, please don't, please don't <laughs> say that it's, you're just asking for trouble. Just publish your thing and say, here is a cool thing I made about professional wrestling. Um, don't, don't tell me that I should buy it because no one else is doing this. Yeah. I think just to wrap up that thought there, there, um, there's another quote in that article. I think actually I can't, remember if it's her or if she's quoting you she says um or you say i don't know community isn't something you buy it's something you build real community among wrestling fans of marginalized genders already exists and you don't need anyone to sell you a ticket to it i thought that was a really nice sort of punctuation mark on the whole thing you know and yep. I, I also you know I'm, I'm not a woman but i wouldn't necessarily look to brandy Rhodes as kind of my like no. paragon of uh you know what it means to be <laughs> to no. identify as female in today's today's modern world. No, and I do also. I think that the thing that really, and I, I know I talked to Harmony about it. I talked to some others. It really was such a like. Don't you want to have makeover tips from professional wrestlers? And I was like, <laughs> What is this Seventeen magazine? No, that is not what I want to talk to. And like some of them have amazing makeup. It looks really cool. Yeah. I'd love to hear about it. But I would like to hear about other things too. Bring out your smoky eye with a boot to the face. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like we could probably talk about this stuff easily for another hour. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So you're just going to have to come back. Um, but we do want to have some time to get to, of course, the Royal Rumble from 96. Oh, we got to talk about the Royal Rumble. Oh, is yeah. There, is there anything else? Is there anything you want to um, uh, plug or anything before we move on to that to that bit? No. I feel like I have, I have covered a lot of it, and I have a feeling that I will – as, I, as you say, I'll have to come back because I'll remember yeah. other stuff that I want to share. At the very least, you got to come back for WrestleMania 29. Oh, yeah. Um, and But I yeah, I would love to talk some more about some of the, this fan stuff is is endlessly fascinating to me. Yes. And I think. Unbelievable. With, you know, I don't know how many wrestling podcasts you listen to, but like the sort of um, kind of divide between like the wrestling has to be this way, people, and the, hey, let's just watch what you like, uh, people. You know, it's very real. And, you know, I think on this show, we try to sort of. Like, hey, this is some things that we like, you know, and we can we shit on things we don't like. And that's, you yeah. know, that's cool. That's part of being a fan. But like, also, I don't 
I don't care if you like that. You know, if you like Kenny yeah. Omega, if you like Kenny Omega, you know, more power to you. It's, it's, he's not for me, but like, uh, whatever. Every wrestler, like, there will always be someone who doesn't like a wrestler. And yeah. it's, it's a, it's a style choice. It's a performance choice. It, it is all good. I only am going to have a problem. That's one of the things I appreciated listening to your show that I was like, oh yeah, this is not going to be a show where someone is going to be like, by the way, whatever opinion you have, I'm here to change it. I'm like, that's, yeah. mm, I, I don't mean, have time for that. Rich's, Rich's favorite wrestler is Doink. So we just, we let that breathe. <laughs> Doink is not my favorite wrestler. It's, I just enjoy the gimmick. He's not my favorite wrestler. Time, stop. He gets, stop spreading he, false fake news. He gets, fake he gets news. so defensive. He gets so defensive. <laughs> his, his second favorite wrestler is actually uh, Duke the Dumpster. So this is a really good pay per view for him. <laughs> I was say this was um, a solid. Yeah, this is a solid show for you. He's going to rate this like a ten stars out of five. I was going to say none of these things are true. <laughs> none of these things are true. So defensive. Anyway, uh, all right, let's get into it. This is the Royal Rumble 1996, January 21st, 1996. I was, what was I doing? I guess I was, I was starting my second semester of college uh, there. Um, this is from the Selland Arena in beautiful uh, Fresno, California. Attendance is uh, 9,600, so a relatively small show. And pay-per-view buys on this one are 260,000. Uh, again, about a quarter of what a WrestleMania around this time was doing. The tagline for this one is maybe aptly, I'm not sure, you've been warned. Uh, I'm not sure how to feel about that. No. Um, and the commentary team on this one is uh, Vince McMahon oh. with all of the yelling. And uh, the inimitable Mr. Perfect, who I think gets to say roughly 12 words um, on this whole show. Um, so did you have, Rich, did you have any background on this uh, particular Royal Rumble? At this point in time, you mentioned how small the audience is. And that is because WWF is losing its ass to WCW. Nitro has, has aired and the NWO hasn't even started, but Nitro is beating Raw. You know, WCW is just whipping it because they do have Hogan. They have Macho Man. They have the names that people remember. And WWE is still like, they call it the new generation, but it's really a transition period. They're trying to figure out like who's going to come out of this. And this show really, really highlights that. Um, this is Steve Austin's first WWF pay-per-view appearance. And like I said, we're right on the cusp of the attitude era. We're about to, things are about to get hardcore. Uh, we're, we're months away from Steve Austin, uh, giving his, well, uh, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass promo, uh, destroying Jake the snake. Uh, this is Mabel's last appearance until 1998. Mm. He disappears. And the, uh, the click is very prominent on this show, even though we're getting very close to losing Scott Hall and Kevin Nash to WCW. Uh, Scott Hall actually disappears after this for failing a drug test. And then he fights like one or two more matches. And then he shows up on Nitro and with his, you all know who I am line. Um, and, but like Hall and Nash are like WWF's two hottest stars at this point. You can hear the crowd just going crazy for them. Especially uh, Hall as Razor Ramon. The crowd loves him. Uh, I'm going to repeat my opinion from several other shows that I've said that WWF should have thrown all the money at him. Just throw all the money at him. Keep him there. Don't allow the NWO to form. 
Scott Hall is a stud. He's been a stud since the AWA. What are you doing? <laughs> I actually I was wearing my Razor Ramon socks today in preparation for this, so I feel like I'm I'm amped up. Now, Jess, did you um do you remember watching this one back in the day? Yes, I remember watching this. This was probably one of the last ones that we we would have bought live. Um, but honestly, I mean, most of what I remembered was I remembered the winner. I remembered that Bret Hart match. And then I was like, all of this other stuff happened on here. Huh. <laughs> Couldn't have told you that. Um, did not remember that. Um, some of these guys I don't remember, but it was, it was with Scott Hall, especially like watching it back. I don't think I realized as a kid how nuts the crowd was for him because, you know, especially watching wrestling when I was young, like I, I like a lot of heels more now than I did when I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, I was like, no, the good guy's supposed to win. That's how it goes. Um, but like just listening to that crowd response to everything he did, I, and did you, when you guys watched it, um, cause I was, when I was watching it, that weird, like WCW parody ad thing, Yep. I was like, again, my husband had never seen this rumble. And so he was like, they weren't even a little bit subtle. And I'm like, no. <laughs> No, this no. was not an era of subtlety. Like there was not, a, if there was a subtle era of WWF, I don't know it. Um, but this one was especially not, not interested in being subtle. Yeah, that's the right. the billionaire Ted skit where uh, a really terrible Ted Turner. Uh, I, they're all really terrible. There, there's a fake Hawk and a fake Macho Man and a fake Ted Turner, and they're all sitting around a table talking about how they're gonna, you know, get their get their groove back and beat the WWE. The, the only thing I noted for that one is Jesus Vince McMahon is a child. Like he, yep. that's that's right in his like mind grapes. That's like it's that's direct from the brain of Vince McMahon, and he's like, yep. oh yeah, I'm really gonna really gonna stick it to him with this one, uh, uh, Ted Turner. Uh, I'll counter back at you that those skits are kind of a reaction to the stuff WCW was doing, such as leaking raw results on live nitro. Yeah. So making fun of the huckster and the nacho man. (laughs) Those, those really are the most like Vince McMahon parody names. He's like, hold on. I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be hilarious. I'm like, okay, bud. You know the macho? It rhymes with nacho, you guys. You get it? It rhymes with nacho. WWF had squandered Lex Luger. Yep. The opportunity that they had with him. And then Luger shows up on the first episode of Nitro without telling anybody. Like, he was he was on Raw. And then suddenly he's walking out yep. on Nitro at the Mall of America, which crazy i don't want to go off into a tangent but that was kind of a shocking thing that nitro for wcw generally a southern promotion puts its first show in minnesota yeah that's kind of it's it was kind of weird um but anyways i'm also still um, like my mind is still blown regularly that it was like by the way here's jushin thunder liger it's like what okay yeah that's fine yeah, the, I've I've watched like the first two years of Nitro again because I used I used to channel flip back and forth, mm-hmm. um, but now 
uh, with Peacock, I've watched like the first two years of of Nitro. And it's so crazy how the NWO's appearance in 97 is a harsh dividing line. It's like everything before that was Jim Crocker promotion wrestling. It's all mostly Matt based. It's very technical. Everybody's using normal names. There's no real gimmicks except for a few like Oz. Uh, but like it's 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 much more straightforward it's southern wrestling and then suddenly the nwo shows up and they're it's like they're fighting wwf they're trying to be wwf instead of staying the course because they could have just kept presenting what they were presenting and they would have survived just fine much longer than what they did anyways yeah so in terms of the this show itself, I yeah I could talk again talk about this all day actually. So you know moving here to Norfolk, um, there's a long history of wrestling here, and uh, I had two separate people this week mention the the show where Raw was in like Hampton and is that right? And WCW was in Norfolk and they brought the tank over. Yep, yep when they did um, the invasion. Yeah, the invasion. I had two separate people mention that to me this week, so it's like it's clearly still on people's minds here, and there's a long history of uh, of wrestling in the in this. Um, anyway, so I, uh, I imagine you probably have some thoughts on the, uh, the little thing that starts this show on the peacock. Yep. <laughs> it was, I, it, it was again, as I said, I was like, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot. And again, I understand that, you know, in comparison to what was to come in the attitude era, that was wholesome. Um, like, oh, she's just in a bath, but it really was a, it really did feel, I was like, that's right. Even by 1996, because I was a teenager, um, this was a product that was on its way to making me feel unwelcome because I'm being greeted by something that is like, this is what we think women should be doing. Um, this is, you know, really that you're not going to get any women on this show, except you're going to get Sunny and you're going to get Marlena. For the first time, which I had forgotten it was her first time. And you're not, there's not going to be, you know, any of the women that you might remember from being a kid. Um, we're past that now. And we're not really at a phase where we're having women's wrestling yet. Yeah, it's weird. Like it's the sort of she does, you know, the viewer discretion is advised as if there's going to be, you know, if this is like silk stockings or something, but it's, I yeah. mean, it's just like big guys beating each other up. It's not, yeah. <laughs> even when there's women. Yeah, and even, you know, again, by comparison, it's like, yes, when Sunny is there, she's in like a short, she's in a short skirt and a top. She's not, you know, coming out with handprints for a bra. Like, it's right. just, it's just, a, we're not at Sable yet. We have, we're yeah. at a different era. It's, it's a really a harsh juxtaposition that happens. It's like you have Sunny in the bathtub. Viewer discretion is advised. And there's candles and it's all soap opera-y, like, fuzzy picture and then you get the live shot of the audience and it's like it's like a wrestlemania like seven crowd where it's a bunch of kids yep. it's a very high-pitched scream of of kids being excited for wrestling yep. there's kids and, and you it's, see it's, like you see women there like especially who are you know like i always love when like you you see it with razor ramon you see it with like you know different wrestlers that the, the the camera and the crowd, like the, the writers have decided like women find this guy attractive and they just like cut to the women in the crowd. Um, just being like, yes, more blood. I want to see them fight. And it's amazing. Um, and yeah. then there's, then there's Jeff Jarrett. 
God bless him. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett and Ahmed Johnson. Yep. Jeff, if, if you had told me in 1996, hey, don't worry, in 2022, Jeff Jarrett's still going to get bookings, I would have said no. No, he's not. But he is. He is. Oh, he's 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 a darling of of the of the industry. Yep. So like it's like he's what third generation mm-hmm. and uh he's just so like you still this is this is one of the reasons why I like the zero of wrestling is that you still have the old territory wrestlers fighting and people that started in the territories are fighting even though the territories are pretty much dead. The territory guys fighting the guys that didn't come up through the mm-hmm. territories. And it was it was interesting because I had honestly had forgotten that there was even during the rumble there's that brief uh, kind of throwaway mention of like oh yeah this guy had qualified from a territory to get to be in the rumble yeah and I was like oh uh, the right. one guy won the tournament yeah. yeah from the USWA and then at one point in the commentary uh, McMahon actually mentions that someone is a former NWA world champion yeah yeah. So the, it's like the remnants of the territories are still vibing through. And it, it's it's one of those fun things to see as a person that gets into the story of wrestling and the history of wrestling uh, to have that still resonating. Because you're not going to hear fra- the phrase NWA world champion on Monday Night Raw now mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-mm. You might hear it on AEW. Yeah. But you're not going to hear it on WWE. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's interesting. They're still sort of using that territory history to kind of give their guys legitimacy, you know, like this this continuity, this history. Um, so, I mean, this match is all right. Uh, Jarrett kind of starts by getting the heat on Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed was such a big dude. He, you know, he had a he had a good run. He had a good push. He kind of he had, was injury prone and and sort of flamed out relatively early. Uh, I always get a kick out of his like pouches all over his arms. He reminds me of a Rob Liefeld um, character if yep. you're into comics. Um, like, yo, bro, I heard you heard you like pouches, so I put some pouches on your pouches. Yep. Um, he does. Uh, he does a pretty good uh, comeback by by hawking up. He like he does. He dances in a little circle to get his hawk up. I I didn't know what was going on there. It's kind of like an ultimate warrior kind yeah. of hawking up yeah. version where he like he like jogs in place and does a little circle around the ring while taking the hits. I have to try that at work and next time. Like, yeah, yeah, feel. tough day. Once, yeah, when a meeting starts getting you bogged down, you just stand up and start <laughs> trotting around and shaking your head. <laughs> Uh, I didn't note much on this match uh, just because one, I don't like Jeff Jarrett. I, I, in my opinion, he's another Ric Flair clone and not nearly as good. Um, He, but Ahmed was a monster of a man and he's impressive every time we've seen him and every time we've talked about him. And it really is a shame that he didn't get to that championship level just because he's, he's everything that Vince would like you would think because Vince loved the big muscle bound bodybuilder look, especially in this time period, because he's still missing Hulk Hogan. And so if you could get another guy that looks like that, like Ahmed Johnson, then I, I don't see how he didn't shoot straight to the top. And I know Ahmed eventually basically had his career ended by Ron Simmons hitting him in the back and like damaging his kidney. And that was pretty much it. Uh, but the the other the only things that I noted in this was that like Jeff Jarrett jumps from the ropes into Ahmed's arm and Ahmed's doesn't even flinch. <laughs> so Jeff Jarrett, yep. so strong. Um, there's a very awkward figure four. 
And there's a beautiful airbrush Shawn Michaels shirt in the front row yes. that I just couldn't stop staring at every time the camera <laughs> caught it. That was just a thing of beauty. Yeah. The only other thing I noted during this one was I was like, right, chair shots were still allowed. Because um, there was a pretty, a much yeah. more direct chair shot to the head that I was like, right, we didn't, we didn't stop that yet. Uh, gosh. Um, and of course, the again, that I was like, yep, we are still doing the we're going to end a match uh, with a good old fashioned. At least I, I was, I was like, Oh, right. We did occasionally get referees disqualifying guys for hitting you over the head with a guitar. Yeah. Um, instead of being like, I missed it. I don't know how that guitar got around your head. I was like, no, no, we know how that guitar got around his head and we're going to yeah. disqualify him. But- Double J goes up to the top and comes down with the guitar and smashes it. Like, directly over Ahmed's head uh, and then is immediately disqualified. Like just, just go directly to jail. Do not pass. Yep, go. We're not, um, we're not entertaining Ahmed, this. Ahmed does a, does a nice like back bump and like, you know, pretends to be unconscious and he sort of like wakes up and I thought it was very theatrical. Actually, the finish of that, he kind of wakes up and he's like looking around and the crowd is like pointing him in the direction of double J who's like hightailed it up the tunnel. So it's a little yep. bit like, like children's theater, you know, like, well, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Um, so he goes, he goes booking after him up the aisle and then he gets to the curtain and you can see Jeff Jarrett, like just, just beyond the curtain, just like walking. And he just starts walking like, guys the camera's still on you maybe just right it's like jeff you gotta you gotta commit keep man. Going. Like, if you're gonna do it <laughs> yeah and then i think yeah at some point later in the show they're like ah by the way he's sustained some real serious injuries from jeff Jarrett. i'm like okay sure fine thanks for reminding us that that match happened earlier in the night i guess yeah. that's what you're doing you'll be on raw tomorrow night no yeah, worries don't you worry about that the next match on the card is uh for the wwf tag team championship it's the body donna's with Sonny. So the body donors are Skip, who is Chris Candido, and Zip, who is Dr. Tom Pritchard, uh, versus the Smoking Guns, Billy Gunn, of course, who we know and love, and Bart Gunn, uh, who's been around in a variety of, of gimmicks. Um, this one, I don't know. I didn't write a whole out for this one. It's, there's a lot of chaos here. Um, Sonny gets bumped at one point, and there's some some drama with uh, with Billy going to help her and then getting ambushed. I I kind of yawned. I kind of maybe didn't pay as much attention as I should have. Did you guys catch anything in this one? Uh, just it was a very uh, rock and roll express kind of match where uh, Billy Gunn just gets his ass beat for like 10 minutes and then suddenly hot tag. And then but the hot tag didn't lead to the finish, which was really frustrating. Uh, there was chance in the crowd for kick her ass. <laughs> so we're, we're getting into the uh, we're getting that attitude crowd a little bit. Uh, to wanting to see a woman get her ass beat, and I mean, Sonny's annoying. There's, there's no doubt. Um, but to the point of deserving a beatdown from somebody, yeah. uh, I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, the other thing, the only other thing that I had really noted was like again, and you know, there were occasional like admonish admonishments for it, but like so much of the commentary was just like. Oh man, isn't Sunny hot? By the way, there's a match, but isn't she beautiful? And I'm like, I, again, this has gone on for a long time. This is not, you know, commentators doing that. It's not new. Um, but, you know, it was odd to me to occasionally hear Vince McMahon admonish someone to like focus on the match. I was like, what? Oh, right. That's right. For a brief time, we were asked to believe that he would tell someone to do that. Yeah. Um, 
And again, Sunny, like, they do manage to get a couple of shots up her skirt, but it is still comparatively a lot tamer than things we would see later on. Yeah, I think we actually missed the hot tag because the camera is focused on Sunny yeah. during it. So yep. um, I, I was unaware that a match was happening. Yep. <laughs> so, I can't. Is there, That's okay. is there still wrestling happening? There's a lady. No, yeah. Well, you know how it is. <laughs> so the smoking guns get to keep the belts. I don't know that anybody really cares. We get that billionaire Ted skit then that we mentioned. I, was, I got a kick out of that. I laughed a little bit. <laughs> um, just, just by how kind of cheesy and cheap oh, it yeah. is you know um and then then let's get into it we've got uh the one and only scott hall's razor ramon versus gold dust with marlena this is a wwf intercontinental championship match so this is uh you know we we're talking about things that haven't aged well um the primary motivation here is is gold dust's continual uh continued pursuit of razor ramon as an object of his lust which he's had a little trouble with before with some other uh wrestlers and for whatever reason he's fixated on scott hall i mean well for whatever reason like look at that guy like what yeah. what are you gonna do um so that's kind of how we we got to the point they they have to fight about it now because gold dust is sexually attracted to razor ramon and I, there's there's just no choice they they have to fight it's it's in the bro code i think so why do, where where do you all want to start with this match because this is this is a good one this one has lots of storytelling in it like uh so uh my dad actually watched this match with me he was over um and we were hanging out with the kid and the kid went to take his nap so i was like dad we're going to watch the the nine the 1996 royal rumble a little bit and he was like all right i'll watch whatever so and we get to this match and like so there, there's a lot of opening uh, chaos. There's a lot of like uh, gold dust flirting and then dodging Razor, taunting him, trying to get into his head, uh, poking at his fragile masculinity uh, and stuff like that. And my dad commented that, you know, it's, you know, uh, if I had paid all this money to go see a wrestling show and this is how the wrestling match starts, I would be, I'd be upset that like, they're not fighting. And I was like, dad, Goldust is doing all the tactics that Ric Flair does. This match starts just out how Ric Flair does. Like there's a little, little connection and then they break and Flair taunts. Flair will dodge out of the ring to avoid contact. He gets frustrated, stuff like that. Like he doesn't, he, he intentionally like drags out the opening to build heat from the crowd. My dad was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And I was like, so why is it okay for Ric Flair to do that tactic? But Goldust character can't do that. It felt a lot. Cause again, as a, you know, as a kid, obviously, um, I feel like, you know, you bought into this, like, Oh, this is, like being like young enough to be like, this is weird. And I don't know why it's weird. And I don't know what's happening. And like watching uh, kind of the pro, like the lead up videos that they were showing and hearing the crowd who, again, it is Scott Hall, who I don't blame people for being behind Scott Hall. He's amazing. Um, but like the, the kind of like the kicker ass chance for Sonny um, it was uncomfortable to watch a crowd be so vocally behind a man beating up a queer coded man um, that they were like, yup, that's what he deserves. He's flirting. It's gross. He should get his ass kicked. Um, 
And it was uncomfortable because again, I'm watching Goldust do this, you know, he's amazing. He's doing all of this great character work and all of this wonderful stuff. And Marlena is now there and the commentary is visibly confused because they're like, what does a man like Goldust get? Like what's a woman like that doing with him? That's, and it's like, you're, you're doing everything, but saying he is gay. Why would a lady be with him? Um, but like my, again, watching with my husband, he was like, so this is two years before Laramie, huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is what oh, like WWF yeah. is, is telling us. And again, it's story work, it's character work. Um, but I was like, I am distracted from how good both of these men are, how these are two of, you know, two top competitors, because like, this is very much a crowd being like that, that uncomfortable queer man deserves to get his ass kicked for trying to flirt with him. And yeah, I mean, again, it was, there was a lot of great storytelling. There were a lot of great moments. Marlena blowing the gold dust in uh, Razor's face and that still didn't end them. I'm like, nope, we've still got more time. That's not the distraction that'll get it. Like it just, it, there were so many good things in the match and yet I was watching it with just such a feeling of like, oh, that's right, I forgot. That's what it was like to watch these when he first started. Yeah. Well, the uh, the WrestleMania that follows this one in March of 96 is the one with Piper and Goldust. Where oh, the, yeah. The storyline is the same thing. It's like, this guy hit on me. I'm going to beat him up in an alley and hit him with my car, like in a baseball bat. And uh, it's, yeah, it is. It, we've, we, when we did the WrestleMania 12 uh, review, we, you know, we talked about that a good bit. It kind of, like it's it's not it's not good it's uh it's very uncomfortable to watch it now it's almost wholesome that it's like oh thank god the reason that this ended was because of the one two three kid like yeah. okay that's fine thank god there didn't have to be anything else the flip side of that though and and something we've we've commented on before is just like you said just how freaking ballsy is is dustin <laughs> dustin runnels like just going out there and just freaking going for it you know yep. like just kissing dudes and being in his lingerie and like, um, and you know, and some of the, I mean, you know, taking that gimmick on the road, um, was probably outright dangerous in a lot of places, you know, and like, just, I don't know, like, like you said, he's so, he's so good in the ring that it, but it does get kind of overshadowed by the gimmick and the reaction to the gimmick. Yeah. They're both working like heels in this match. Yes. Um, yes. Razor's doing low blows and cheap shots and Gold Dust is doing the same stuff, but Razor's the crowd favorite because I mean we we don't need to keep beating that dead horse. We know we know why Razor's the fan favorite. Um he's not in a gold unitard and and coming out with a gold boa and cinematography. The the only the only real difference between this and the Piper angle is that the Piper angle also fed in footage of the OJ Simpson car <laughs> yeah, chase. Like, remember so, they, that. so we, we already had dealing with, uh, with openness, with, uh, sexual feelings. And now we're going to layer in this nice cake frosting of racism on top of it. You know, that's, that's WWF's perfect style. And that's like, what was that? Three years after the OJ stuff. And they're still they were still using that footage, um, but we don't we don't need to that's another really, really dig into that. But like it was it's uncomfortable to watch in the in the modern eye, 
but also it's it's an interesting angle that they would be so bold to use the the toxic masculinity of Razor Ramon in such a story and then like the 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 blurred sexuality of gold dust and then they add that extra layer to where there's also real sexual tension between him and marlena characters too so the crowd can't just be like oh well that's a gay guy yeah because he's like i and marlena and then marlena's character too she's not like your typical female valet wrestling uh, manager valet type character or like eye candy she's she's doing things on the sideline that's like she's trying to frame the shot that she's like the director of the whole show and that she's she's the boss of of gold dust kind of angle to where so you have this real interesting mix that's like really bold for wwf to kind of be portraying at this time period even though when we look at it with our modern eyes it's kind of it's it hurts a little bit yeah like the number of times during the match that marlena is like i know i'm beautiful now watch the ring like deliberately pushing back and being like no we're not going to do the sunny thing with me like i'm a director i'm here to with her strange usher i forgot that there was just a guy dressed in like a oh, yeah. 20s usher costume who was also gonna be there like that's right it's layers man layers yep. upon layers somebody needs to write their thesis on gold dust i i they really do yeah there's a lot of stuff that they could do there so yeah so one two three kid yeah. comes in uh nails razor so gold Gus can take the belt uh so we swap the belts there yeah so gold yeah. dust wins the belt and he was actually supposed to have a rematch with razor at wrestlemania 12 but razor got suspended for the drug use razor finally comes back in april april loses to vader and then he's gone mm. he's he's off the wcw his contract not renewed Oof. the piper angle is kind of a pivot and it seems like they just basically took the storyline and inserted Roddy Piper yeah. into it as opposed to <laughs> keeping uh, Razor in it. Yeah, they didn't adjust that at all. So now comes one of my favorite parts of the, the Royal Rumble show, and that's for all the different wrestlers to give their, like, 15 second promo about why they're going to win um these are always so much fun i enjoy these so much i so from watching these i, I think barry horowitz is definitely going to take it i mean barry horowitz is always one of my favorites he, <laughs> he went from jobber to having a very brief push and then disappears and he comes out to the hava nagila yep. and it's i love it it's uh it's like hey everybody there's a jewish wrestler coming to the <laughs> yeah, ring don't worry guys what's what's his what's his gimmick He's Jewish. Oh, so he his his religion is his gimmick. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. So it's, so it's Barry Horowitz, uh, Daniel Bryan before Daniel Bryan, because like he he uh, he was kind of like pushed because he was a fan favorite, right? Like, and it was sort of like an improbable thing, and maybe they just kept harassing people about give Barry Horowitz a shot. I don't know. It's pre-internet, so it's a little. It's a yeah. little harder to generate yeah. that kind of fan I do pressure. sometimes wonder, I'm like, who would the internet campaigns have been for? Like, who would, you know, the fans have really wanted to see? Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, always. <laughs> it's always the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah. So, um, let's see. So, this is the Royal Rumble, the 30-man uh, main event here for the WWF Championship match at WrestleMania 12. So, we're in the point where if you win the Rumble, you get that shot at the belt. 
Um, Triple H and Henry O. Godwin of the Godwin Brothers start out. Um, Bob Backlund is next. He's such a weird looking dude. <laughs> such a weirdo. I hated his comeback. I, I, I just did not like it. I don't like. And he's like running for president. And they're somehow they're going to make him champion. Like, wow, that's stupid. I don't whatever. Uh, Triple H actually has the number one draw because he lost a match at the pre-show. The Duke, the Dumpster Drosy, who you claim is my favorite. <laughs> your sec- your uh, second so, favorite after Doink. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so Triple H, so the winner of that match got number 30, the loser got number one. Triple H got number one. Um, and for a while, they, they kind of make you feel like Triple H might actually do the Shawn Michaels from the year before, but he's not ready. That's not happening. Was I actually, I literally rewound and watched it again because I forgot how much. I love when Jake the snake clears a ring when he's like, hold on. I got to Yeah. I got to dump a snake out. All right. Back in the bag you go. Okay. We're going to wrestle now um, because I love Jake the snake. He is amazing and has cut some of the best promos yeah. that have ever been, but he's got the sexiest music. Yep. And all oh, that music boy. and just walk and it truly like walking out and being like, we all know what's going to happen here. I have a bag. You know what? Just, <laughs> We all know what's going to happen. This is a very large snake. Uh, and then my handler's here and he's going to take him away because we don't want to stress the snake out, which I do appreciate. Well, I like that he's wearing like the sleeveless like Tommy Bahama shirt because like this is like fat Jake the Snake. Like this yep. is this is not, you know, prime lean and mean Jake the Snake. So he's like he's like me in the swimming pool in like seventh grade. I'm like, I'm just going to wear my shirt yep. and nobody's going to notice them. Um So I, I, I appreciate that for Jake. Uh, Jerry Lawler gets a big pop when he comes out. Bob Holly's this is in his race car driver gimmick, but he's not, he's still going, he's going by Bob Holly. He's not, he's what spark, was he called with the spark, spark plug? Sparky plug. Yeah, Sparky plug. Sparky plug. Yeah. Oh, your third favorite wrestler. I forgot. Yeah. How could I forget? Um, King Mabel looks like a baby. He looks like a, a giant, smooth, a very baby. tall baby. Yeah. Uh, and then we get Dory Funk Jr., which is a really weird addition. <laughs> yep. He looks like he's 70. He's always looked like he's 70. Um, he was I, born 70. I <laughs> yeah. I, I was uh, running a little stopwatch and they were keeping honest pretty much to the two minute timer between entrance as well. Oh, interesting. Um, so I, 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 I decided to keep track of that because sometimes it did feel like it was a really long time. And then sometimes it felt like really short, but they were, they were keeping honest with the, with the two, two minutes. When I thought about it, I'm like, I think the ones where it felt really short was because someone had a long, there was business that was happening that took a while yeah. before they properly started wrestling. There's a big contrast between this and just the, the most recent uh, other Royal Rumble that we watched. Uh, the 90 was that 92 Royal Rumble that we watched. Yeah. So like, this is just four years later and they have the similar format to where it starts out with one face and one heel and then a barrage of heels come down in those first early numbers. Um, but they're, they're not grouping together like they did in, in the 92 Royal rumble and in previous old days, like the whole, like they're really doing the every man for themselves kind of stuff. But I ended up not liking that. I wanted to see the heels gang up on the face and then the faces, uh, you know, that a face entrance comes down and saves and gets a big turnaround in the momentum of the match and stuff. And so this match really, f- this Royal Rumble over in general just felt very, very blah, very no, no drama, no 
peaks and no valleys just because it was just uh, it was a constant barrage of people coming in but the faces were fighting each other the heels were fighting each other the faces and the heels were fighting each other there was no there was no organization to the chaos of the match in my opinion and it even it felt like there were a couple of moments again even on commentary where they were like well like why isn't anybody working together to get the to get Vader out, to get Yokozuna out, to get Vader out. Like you could get the big guys out if you all just, no. Okay. I guess you're not going to, you're not going to do that. Um, And I, you know, some of that is I'm, you know, it's what I expect to see. I'm like, if there's a big guy in the Royal Rumble, a bunch of little guys are going to try to lift him up and then they're going to fall down. (laughs) Um, And it's a classic moment. The old Andre spot. It also was, I was like, Oh, we, Oh, we really aren't going to do that. We're just, because, you know, having, obviously I haven't, it's not 1996. I haven't been watching the programming from them. So it wasn't super clear if there were storylines coming into the match. Occasionally they would, you know, commentary would point out, oh, these guys have been fighting for a while, but it wasn't really clear. Like, oh yeah, these guys have have something going on right now. And that's why they're zeroing in on each other. Yeah, it's, it is. It's very flat. Um, and it's very, it seems very random. Like you said, it's just sort of like, it's like this happens, then this happens, then this happens. So Lawler goes and hides under the ring. That's his strategy. He's going to just camp out and uh, and see if nobody notices. Um, Yokozuna comes in. That's a kind of exciting moment. Um, he tosses Backlund, and that's the very first elimination. It takes a full 12 minutes to get there, um, which is a long time as far as these, these matches go. Vince and Perfect are excited about Mabel versus Yokozuna, and those guys kind of go at it in the corner a little bit uh let's see let's do i'm just kind of rapid fire vince has no idea what's happening no he really doesn't neither one of vince is is lost through this whole thing he doesn't use names he doesn't use move names he doesn't use he doesn't say anything except for like oh yeah and and (laughs) here he comes here he comes and like when savio vega actually comes out he, he he the buzzer hits and the music happens and he goes here he comes here who comes like, <laughs> and especially because I'm like, you're not putting up names on the bottom. So in some cases, I'm like, no, but really, who who comes? Someone, yeah, someone no, tell me who's coming. Who, who is that? Yeah, yeah. One, two, three. Kid comes in. Takao Mori uh, lasts less than three minutes before Jake and Triple H put him out. There's Savio Vega. He tosses Dory Funk, and then the man they call Vader. That's the other kind of next next sort of big peak there um and they keep calling him that they keep calling the man they call vader every time it's like a tick it's very i don't know if you noticed that it's really weird it's, yeah it's either the, the man they call vader or what's it called the mastodon <laughs> yeah like either that they're like the mastodon i'm like that's oh no that's that's just vader that's vader everybody don't don't get confused there's not another person in here yeah He's i want to see the, the mastodon. mastodon that's all vince does when he does commentary is he lands the company lines over and over again just just pounding it into your head. He's the man they call Vader. He's the Mastodon. He's the man they call Vader. The man they call Vader just just took a dump. The man who <laughs> called Vader just 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 threw a guy over the top rope and it was like they they set Doug Gilbert on him. Like, oh my God! Like, boy, Doug Gilbert. They're getting desperate to fill thirty yeah. people in this ring if they're bringing Doug Gilbert up. Then there's a, a tag team. Um, there, if you look it up on Wikipedia, uh, it says Squat Team number one and squat team yeah. number two not squat team squat team as in guys who squat or who are squat or 
they're, they're the headhunters from um, some other promotion, right? They're they're, tw- yeah. they're twins. I think, EC, I think they were ECW guys, I think. Yeah. They were the headhunters. They're, they're very round, large bodies and very small round heads. They look like like miniature snowmen. I was just like, that's Abdullah the Butcher, right? That's <laughs> yeah. that's Abdullah the Butcher. That's that's who that is, right? And I was like, no, it's not. I Googled it. But like they're wearing his shoes. Yep. They were wearing his like outfit type. And I was like, how is that not Abdullah the Butcher? But it's just two fake Abdullah the Butchers that, that come Yeah, on. they don't last very long. Brother number two only lasts 24 seconds before he gets tossed. Savio Vega goes right back out. And then Shawn Michaels uh, is then kind of starting to to take over a little bit. He dumps both Yokozuna and Vader, which is a pretty crazy spot. Uh, Jim Cornette, who manages both guys, is losing his shit. Um and and Vader isn't too happy either. He actually comes back in the ring and tosses a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, but he's not legal, so it doesn't count. But like, which also felt like a change because I'm like, oh right, yeah. they, they cared then. Like, if you got eliminated by someone who wasn't legal, yeah, you weren't actually eliminated. They changed the rules every Royal yep. Rumble. Like the early Royal Rumbles, you can't eliminate yourself. Nope. Now you can, but they're like, no, you can't. No friendly fire. You have to be right. The Vader thing was like, at first I was like, all right, finally something is happening in this match. But then like, it just went a little too long and it took too long for them to get, get everything back under control. Yeah. And I, I just, and especially, I was like, and especially cause I'm almost like, felt like the match stopped. You have Bret Hart and Owen Hart out there. You have not Bret Hart. You have Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart out there. Like I want to see, no, we're just, we're doing, we're still, it's still <laughs> Vader. Okay. All right. Are we sure? It is. Okay. Well, Jim Cornette, please get him under control. Yeah. Yeah. And Hakushi and then the Native American Tatanka. Um, that's again, that's his full name, the Native American Tatanka. Yep. Not to be confused with the man they call Vader, the Mastodon. Aldo Montoya, who I didn't remember, and uh actually turns out he was just incredible. Yeah. Do you remember Just Incredible? Um Yeah. I like that name a lot. It's yeah, it's a good name. Wordplay for the win. Um it doesn't matter though, because he only lasts two minutes. And then so Diesel is clearly one of the big movers for this match. Um, comma, aka Charles Wright, aka the Godfather, aka Papa Shango. Papa Shango. That's what I remembered. I was like, AKA oh, the Good Father, um, the man of a thousand gimmicks. Uh he he was not the Mastodon, however. And we had uh, Rikishi, right? Kishi comes out, but he's yeah. under the name Fatu, Fatu. and this is his, his very brief make a difference gimmick where he's the he's the uh youth pastor basically reaching out to the urban youth. <laughs> what a mensch. Wild times in WWE. Isaac Yankum, who's Jerry Lawler's dentist, also Kane. Yep. Uh, shows up, yeah. Um, and then Vince gets all excited for Marty Jannetty as if Marty Jannetty has a real chance to win this thing. Um, the crowd does pop a little bit for, for Sean and Marty going at each other, which I thought was kind of cool. Is yeah. this after the kick through the window? Oh, yeah. way, after. way after. Yeah. Because, oh, right, that was before the 92 one that we just watched. Right. Yeah. Austin is here as the ringmaster. Again, we noted this is his very first uh, wrestling pay-per-view, right? A WWE pay-per-view. Um, yeah, he's supposed to apparently be in the final four, but he gets tossed kind of by accident. But I mean, Rich and I both kind of went back and watched that on replay a couple of times and I actually can't tell that it was an accident. I don't know. Did it did you notice anything? No, it didn't. It was one of those things where like I, I had seen that and I was like, I mean, was he so, it was one of the things where I was like, what exactly was he supposed to 
do to stop that? Like, yeah, I don't know. Was he supposed to do some kind of amazing gymnastic work? Because that's not really his thing. Yeah, because he gets clotheslined over the top rope. And I don't know if he was just supposed to hold on to the top rope, but his hand fell off and he hit the floor. And you can even see him try to get back in the ring and stuff like that. And the refs stop him. And I don't know if he's like yelling at him, but I'm supposed to still yeah, be in there. Like, and, no, bud, you got to go. And like Vince didn't notice it at all. The announce team didn't notice it at all. And then suddenly they're like, hey, where's where's the ringmaster? Yeah, like they didn't call <laughs> any attention to it. And then it was as though they had they were like, oh, crap. Uh. Well, now we don't know what to do. We didn't write down who's in there. We're going to be surprised. I hope they all look different so we can tell. Yeah. So we finally, uh, let's see, we get to British Bulldog comes in at number 29, which is a primo spot. So we got Bulldog, we got Sean, Diesel, Kama, and Yankum are left. And Duke the Dumpster, Sean, um, Rich's second favorite wrestler, comes in at number 30. <laughs> so he's he's going to win it all. He's he, He's got it. He's... I'm just going to start telling people Shawn Michaels is your favorite wrestler. Oh, no. Okay, if I take you, it back. If you keep doing this. <laughs> so Sean and Davey go out on the floor. Uh, Sean gets Pearl Harbor by Owen Hart. Takes five refs to pull him off. It's a, it's chaos. It's great. Um, and then the dumpster and Isaac Yankum both go out. So that that's a shocker. The dentist and the garbage man are not going to win the Royal Rumble. Um, so your final four are Davey, Sean, Kama, and Diesel. So let's see. So Sean puts out Davey. Sean almost gets tossed, but he does his skin the cat thing that he, he does every time. Um, every time. <laughs> every time. Not a Royal Rumble if Shawn Michaels doesn't skin the cat. Diesel puts Kama out, and then Sean just super kicks Diesel over the top for the win and a big, big pop. He celebrates by pulling his pants down to expose his butt crack. I, I don't. That's how I celebrate. I don't know what's with this guy. Like every. I swear to God, he's an exhibitionist. Every. Yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, I, why? We haven't, huh? What's happening? The fans demand it in Sean's mind. In Sean's mind, he's like, that's what he hears is the fans just yelling, take off your pants. And he's like, okay. Is this gimmick supposed to be male stripper? Like, I mean, I he always kind of looked like a male stripper. Yeah. I feel like I've, like Johnny Gargano has told stories of being like, I was dressed up as Shawn Michaels and I just looked like a tiny child dressed up like a stripper. <laughs> he's like, just a yeah. sexy boy, though. He's just a sexy boy. It's in his song. So I don't know. There's um, there's there's a lot of posing and and music afterwards, like Hulk Hogan style. It goes it just goes on forever. Yeah, Sean is acting like this is the end of the night, and there's still another match. Yeah, and it's like they they have their little moment with Diesel where it's like, oh, but they're friends. But he eliminated him. But they're friends. Oh, run up real high and high five him. You have to jump so high because you're so small and Diesel is tall. Yeah. And even that, I'm like, let's let's move this along. There's another match to come. There's a weird little like Vince talks us into a commercial for ticket sales. Yeah. But then they don't show the commercial. And so it feels really weird when we watch it. Yeah. It kind of feels like you could have made the executive decision to cut that. Like not every word needs to be preserved. But okay. like the uh, like the ads for the nine hundred number too to call and talk to the wrestlers, and yeah. then on Peacock it has it like number no longer active. Like, I, don't know. I still call it. I wish I, was like, I wish it was. <laughs> what if? Oh, that's the, that'd be a great Stephen King story. You you call a number off of an old Peacock thing, and then you get to talk to like dead wrestlers, like Sean, like uh, like Scott Hall answers the phone. Yeah. Like man, but other people try to call it and they they can't get through. 
Yeah. Oh man. Writes All itself. Right. Oh, I got chills. I just got chills <laughs> right now. So yeah. So uh, Bret Hart versus the undertaker for the WWF championship. This is uh masked undertaker is masked undertaker. The worst undertaker. Or is American no. Badass the worst? American Badass. American Badass. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, so the mask is because of a botch from Mabel. Mabel broke both of his orbital bones. Yeesh. They go, they're supposed to go for a clothesline. Mabel's supposed to clothesline and take her. Uh, but uh, Mabel is super gassed, apparently, at this point, and bounces off the rope and comes at Taker and mistimes it and catches Taker with a fist straight to the face instead of the flabby part of your arm for a clothesline and crushes Undertaker's oh, man. face. Yeah, that's uh that's that's no bueno. No. Um no. Brett uh, takes a long time to kiss the belt and hold it. He says this may be the last time he ever holds that belt. Uh he gives the shades away to a young man with Down syndrome and uh at ringside and I cried a little bit. I'm like, oh I wish I was that kid. Um I kind of stopped taking notes on this one too because actually I really you know Bret Hart is my all time favorite. Uh, and I, I would, I'll just, I'll just watch. I just kind of just sit in awe whenever he's on. I don't like make write a lot of things down, but I, for me, this one has everything that I want from both of these guys. It has sort of classic era undertaker. Um, he could still move around, you know, so he's doing his big guy moves, but he gives also some dramatic, uh, stuff. Um, Brett runs through all his five moves of doom and you know all the the usual bret hart stuff i really like the dramatic moment where he like rips the mask off they were you and i didn't i don't have it written down i was looking to see if maybe i did they they were they weren't calling it a mask they kept calling it some elaborate name that i was like you can just say mask you can just say mask <laughs> but it's Vince McMahon. It facial apparatus yeah his facial apparatus i was like he doesn't have like headgear he doesn't have braces he's just wearing a mask <laughs> I mean, Vince uses very fancy language. Yeah. Like during, he he says that Bob Holly in the Royal Rumble put out a superlative effort. <laughs> um, Nobody talks like that. Nope. No, no. Well, that's um, the like the whole uh, medical facility instead of hospital. Yeah, you know, that's that kind of stupid shit. So Undertaker uh, gets the tombstone in the pin, but of course Diesel. Uh, interferes, costing Brett the the match by DQ, but of course saving the belt. Um, he gives a big old middle finger. Uh, from Diesel in the in the aisle, it's very edgy. Um, I wonder if this is our first uh, televised middle finger on a, a wrestling. It might have been. I say it may well have been. The first middle finger to appear on WWF television was at SummerSlam 1991 when it was given by the Mountie. These guys work the crowd like crazy. Yeah. They really, that crowd is in a frenzy and they're both fan favorites. And again, they're both working like heels in this match because they're just throwing everything at each other. And this is, this is a, this is a good main event. This is better than the Royal Rumble match. Yeah. So I, good call on putting this in the middle at the end instead of the before. For the sure. I actually, if anything, and it's not, it's not a fault of either of them. I would have liked it to be a little bit longer just because I was enjoying the two of them. Um, and I was like, that rumble was kind of bland. And now you're giving me like this really great match with two guys, arguably at their peak. Um, and you bring in shenanigans, um, <laughs> which, you know, it's the name of the game. It's how it goes. Um, but 
it was it yeah no it was a really solid match and it was again as i said watching undertaker in his prime and remembering like oh yeah this is the guy that used to just blow my mind as a kid my dad's favorite spot of all time still is the undertaker doing a rope walk yeah like same of mine my dad's favorite thing is when he does that yep. too hmm. it's a dad thing i guess dads are like yeah, yeah. yeah. This, I understand. They shouldn't call this. it old school. They should call it the dad move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Undertaker's going for the dad move. Dad style. Yeah. So um, Undertaker wants Gorilla to make a match. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon is, is of course, the, uh, what what the booker, I guess. I don't know what you, what you call him here. Yeah, I don't know no, if he was like, if they he's were taking over like Jack the, Tunney. Yeah, he right, was right, the right. commissioner at that point yeah. or what they were calling him. So he sets a steel cage for Diesel versus The Undertaker at the next In Your House um, show, which I went and looked and tried to find, but I couldn't find on the Peacock. I need to dig around a little bit more because I want to watch that. At the end of each episode, we like to remember those participants in the show that we watched that are no longer with us. That list includes Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, Howard Finkel, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, Referee Tim White, King Mabel, Yokozuna, The Man They Call Vader, British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, Paul Bearer, and Gorilla Monsoon. Dr. Jess, it's been a great pleasure to have you on yes, the show. It's been wonderful. And yes, absolutely. I would love to come and do some We Were There because I've gotten to see some really cool stuff and appreciate you letting me come on and talk about my uh, my work. So I am Wrestle Academic on Twitter, short and simple, at Wrestle Academic. Um, and feel free to follow me um, for lots of retweeting and lots of thoughts and feelings about professional wrestling because uh, that's what i do all right and as always all the wrestlemanias is wrestle at wrestlemania pod on twitter all the wrestlemanias at gmail.com if you want to email us we're all the wrestlemanias on facebook you can come find us on there we have a lot of fun on the round table and and from there on out i am your co-host rich sigwald and i thank everybody for listening have a good one Thank you.